30 minute timeout. 30 minute timeout. Well, I turned that thing off and it comes back every week. I don't know what to tell you guys. We need to get our own intro because for some reason that thing keeps going. I don't get why. Anyways, this is not 30 minute timeout. Once again, this is Wager Vision. This is Wednesday night, hump day, and we're about to bring the gambling stuff to the podcast world. My name is Boomer. I'm here with Jared and Cam. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Lab with Boomer. Go ahead, Cam. Throw yours out there. You can follow me at Twitter uh, on Twitter at Cameron Covers. Jared. And you could follow me on Twitter at Riegs, R-I-E-G-Z-P-S-E. And if you uh, don't get it in the description, we have it up there for you guys to follow for any questions, comments, or if you just want to tell us we suck, we're okay with it. We're ready for the feedback. Uh, We're ready for the audience to grow. Today, we're going to start off with Cam breaking down some of the uh, last week, preseason, week three, the only time, the last time the starters are going to play each other regular season. Uh, and then me and Jared are going to come in with some college picks that we like. I'm a huge college person. Cameron is not so much. Jared, I think, likes it a little bit. Uh, so we'll get a little bit of uh, sprinkled out throughout the year, college football, along with the NFL. Uh, but go ahead, Cam, kick it off for us. Right. So we got week three of the NFL preseason in the books. Uh, some coaches are still treating it as a dress rehearsal. Others are not. But I'm just going to go rapid fire here and recap some of these box scores that I find interesting. And you guys can jump in at the end if you had action on any of the games, which ones of them you won, which ones of them you lost. All right, here we go. Game number one, Eagles at the Browns. Browns were minus three at home, 41 and a half the total. Low scoring affair here, Browns won 5-0. And not a pretty one to watch. The offense is stalled, 11 punts in the game. Baker Mayfield looked just okay, 8 for 12, uh, did not throw a touchdown. And key takeaway from this one is that the Eagles' first-team offense, I have my concerns. I think the Super Bowl hangover is going to be real. I think Nick Foles, uh, something happened to him in the offseason. He's not looking himself. And so we'll get to this probably ne- next week, but I like Atlanta plus 3.5 against Philly in week one. All right, next game, Giants at the Jets. Jets were laying two and a half, 40 and a half the total. Giants won on the road, 22 to 16. I like the Jets in this game because I thought Sam Darnold was going to show a lot trying to earn that starting job. Um, he did all right, uh, but Eli Manning outplayed him. He ripped it for 17 of 23 for 188 yards, and this one was unwatchable. You had 13 penalties for the Jets, over 100 yards in penalties, and the Giants committed six of their own for 50 yards. And news just broke, Teddy Bridgewater in that game, um, he is being traded to the Saints for a third-round pick. All right, next game, Packers at Raiders. Raiders minus 5.5, 40 the total. Raiders covered the spread at home, 13-6. to six. And this game, main takeaway, a lot of penalties, 23 penalties combined for both of these teams, 210 yards. Uh, I have to think some of that was due to the new rule. Um, and second big takeaway is Deshaun Kaiser. Did not throw an interception. That's breaking news for me. Uh, next game, 49ers at Colts. This game was at Pickham, 42 the total. Colts won at home, 23-17. to 17. I'm keeping my eye on Andrew Luck because I like them uh, as a nice value play to win their division, maybe even do more than that. Andrew Luck played much better today. Uh, uh, sorry, in that game, 8 for 10, 90 yards and two touchdowns. And Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers, not so hot. 9 of 19 for 135 yards, no touchdowns. 
And uh, I like the Vikings playing the 49ers in week one because I don't think that they are going to live up to, the, to their hype. Uh, next game, Ravens at the Dolphins. Dolphins were minus two and a half at home, 41 the total. And big surprise, Ravens won again and covered. John Harbaugh improves to 29 and 15 against the spread in the preseason. He's been an absolute cash machine. Last game, Chiefs at the Bears. Bears were catching five and a half at home. Bears went outright 27 to 20. Big story here, Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people like this kid. I can see why. He went 18 for 24, 196 yards and a touchdown. And then I'm watching on Golick and Wingo this morning. Lewis Riddick is on there. He's a scout, and now he's kind of transformed his career. He's in the media now. I really trust his opinion. He knows a lot. Um, he says he's all in on Patrick Mahomes. I got to take his word for it. He knows a lot more football than I do. So I'll be looking to take the Chiefs over the total all season because I think their offense is going to click and their defense is underrated, uh, uh, excuse me, overrated. In fact, they had the worst defense in the NFL towards the end of the season if you pay attention to some of those metrics. Uh, did you guys have any action on any of these games? What were your thoughts? How did week three go for you? Yeah, so Go ahead. I had I had the Browns minus three. Obviously them winning five nothing, that game is pretty much unwatchable, but you'll take a win any way you can get it. Money's money, so that was a plus. Um I like you said, the Philadelphia hangover definitely seems real. They don't really know who's starting yet. Uh I just saw today that uh, the head coach is going to name somebody probably 90 minutes before game time next Thursday against the Falcons. So uh, you're not really sure who you're going to be betting on or if the spread's going to change based on who's going to be the QB. But Foles with the two interceptions in that game didn't look that great. Also got sacked three times. I think overall they were uh, both QBs were sacked seven times. So that offensive line is looking rocky, especially with, Carson Wentz coming back from the ACL injury. I don't know if he's going to want to throw him out there right away. Yeah, and I'm seeing that there's uh, some disagreements in the Eagles' locker room about whether or not they should keep up that banner, Super Bowl champions. Do you think that comes into play at all? Is that part of the reason why they, they're kind of resting on their laurels? And we, we, we expect them – I mean, are we in agreement that we all expect them to have a down year this season after winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I also don't – I also don't know how Carson's going to do with that ACL injury. Obviously, last year he started off the first 11 games as one of the best QBs in the league. Um, Nick Foles obviously coming in the playoffs and doing what he did, cemented himself as a potential good QB in the league. But regardless who starts, I don't see them coming out the same way they ended last year. And they're in an absolutely loaded NFC with the Vikings, the Packers, uh, uh, you know, I know Boomer loves the Rams, so they've got a lot of good teams to go through if they're going to get back to the playoffs and maybe repeat. Uh, my thing with it is, too, is I think they've just been way overconfident. They've won one Super Bowl ever in their history of the franchise. Um, so you can't say act like you've been there because obviously they haven't, but, I mean, they're blowing it way out of proportion. They're acting like they have reinvented every way of how to be a Super Bowl champion. Their egos are just blowing out of their heads. I, I just don't know what they're – why Doug Peterson isn't – I mean, he wrote a book. Uh, so everybody in that whole franchise is really feeling themselves hardcore, and I do think they're going to get a reality check this year. Um, I did read something about Wentz. Uh, they said that they'll know by Friday if he's going to be starter or not, uh, is what they said, because he hasn't even been cleared for contact. 
Uh, pretty much if Friday he can get cleared, they're going to call him the starter. But I think they have to because full sucks. He got lucky and had a miracle run like other bad quarterbacks in the playoffs, and it worked out for him. Uh, I also wanted to say something pretty funny about how you said the Giants were on the road to the Jets, <laughs> uh, considering they both play in the same New Jersey area. Uh, I don't even call them the New York. You're right. You're right. Yeah, they're just the New Jersey teams to me. But that you can have your whole thing in New Jersey and still be called the New York Giants, like, that makes no sense. So I always call them the New Jersey Giants and Jets. Uh, But that was pretty funny to me. Um, Other than that, I don't really have too much. I didn't didn't watch too much preseason this weekend. Uh, I was busy watching the FedEx Cup golf tournament and some other things. Uh, So I didn't catch too much of it. Jared, how about you? Did you have any other picks in week three of the preseason? I also had the Jets' money line, which obviously did not go too well. That game was brutal to watch, like you said, just penalties left and right. Um, like you said, also the big news today was Bridgewater getting traded as a Jets fan. Still unsure how I feel about that, really. Um, Darnold coming in to start three games in ten days, two on prime time. That's going to be interesting, to say the least. He definitely has the potential, but coming coming out just like that right away is going to be tough for him, especially with the wide receiving core that they have. I was hoping Bridgewater was going to be the starter for three to four weeks and just bank on a QB getting injured uh, potentially in the first few weeks, and then his trade value goes up quite a bit after that. So I lost that game, and then I had the Ravens pick him. I said last week on the podcast that um, Harbaugh is – was 32 and 12 going into the game in the preseason overall. Make that 33 and 12 now. This guy just hates to lose in the preseason and loves to be average in the regular season. So, I guess Harbaugh just he just lives for the preseason. It seems he threw Lamar Jackson and Robert RG3 out there. Flacco didn't play. Um, Lamar Jackson had a great game. He went seven for ten for 98 yards with a 134 passer rating. And they both actually ran the ball pretty well when they had a scramble. Uh, Griffin had five rushes for 41 yards, and Jackson had three for 39. As QBs, that's about uh, averaging 10 a rush, which can take you places when Flacco potentially goes down this year, uh, post-Flacco error for the Ravens. Yeah, John uh, Harbaugh's quick, quick been question. absolute money in the preseason. Uh, go ahead, Boomer. Yeah, quick question for you guys. It's not gambling-related or anything like that, but – uh, what do you think that means for Breeze with Bridgewater going there? And do you think the Jets should – I also – I've been saying on 30-minute timeout that they should have started Bridgewater for the first two games because the season isn't going to really matter whether Darnold plays the whole season or not and then traded him for more, whether it's a lineman or a player and a pick. But what do you guys think for what they got, and what do you think that means for Breeze down there in uh, you know New Orleans? So yeah. with, with Teddy B and the Saints first – I was a little surprised they only got a third rounder. I mean, in my opinion, Teddy Bridgewater can start for, I don't know, eight or nine of these teams in the NFL with, you know, pretty below average quarterback starting now. So just to get a third rounder, I think that seems a little low. But I I like the move uh, from the Saints perspective. They get a very competent backup and a guy who can change, um, change the pace a little bit if he has to come in in the second half of a game. Um, a, a fantastic insurance policy with Drew Brees climbing up there in age. Um, but then from the Jets' perspective, I'm, well, first of all, let me ask you this, Jared. Is, is it a guarantee that 
Sam Darnold is going to start week one. Has that been released yet? Yeah, they just announced it today right after the trade. Uh, about an hour after the trade, they said he's going to be starting. That I don't get because, like you said, in the first three games, they've got a couple of primetime TV spots. The Jets roster has got to be below average in the NFL. The offensive line is, is, is like Swiss cheese. He's going to take some hits. And so, to me, this seems like all you have is downside with starting Sam Darnold early. He could lose his confidence. He could take a beating and, and risk injury. I, I feel like the, the Jets really missed the boat here. They could have started Josh McCown for the first couple of games. Once the season, you know, once they start racking up some losses, if, if that's what we expect them to do, then you bring in Darnold and get him some reps in, in what's definitely not going to be a playoff season for the Jets. Yeah, and like I said, I was hoping Bridgewater is going to start. He is the better QB of the two to win right now. They have a decently easy first three games, besides for the fact that they're in 10 days. They have the Lions, Dolphins, and Browns. So potentially with Bridgewater, they could have snuck by and won one or two of those games and stayed competitive for the first quarter of the season. And you never know if they just go on a quick little run, win a few in a row, Bridgewater stays on the team for the year, plays the season out, and then goes from there. Or if another QB on a different team gets injured, then you trade him and get a better trade back than just a third-round pick. I thought the third-round pick, I thought at first, was pretty poor. And then I realized, I saw something on Twitter that um, the Bills traded Tyrod Taylor for a third-round pick after he had a pretty solid season. So I guess the trade the trade market for QBs is not as high as it once was. So I guess a third-round pick for somebody who's coming off an injury, has been in, hasn't played in a regular season game for two years, I guess that's a pretty fair turn turnaround for them. So how about now that they've traded Teddy Bridgewater, would you prefer the Jets start Josh McCown for the first couple of games of the season? Or since they've traded Teddy B, are you happy with them going with Darnold from, from week one? Yeah, I think I'm happy with them going Darnold just because McCown, I think, would be is going to be a great teacher for him. I just can't picture the Jets throwing out another 38, 39-year-old for the third, fourth year in a row and just running with that for a few games. I think it's better just for Darnold to have the experience early on and just grow from the mistakes that he's going to make in those first probably three to five games, and then McCown can teach him throughout the way. All right. Any other games you had picks on for week three? I just had those three last week. All right. Uh, and a quick look at the whole slate. Unders went 10-6, and six and the Dogs went 9-7. and seven. Um, Did you guys see how Patrick Mahomes played – what is your thoughts on him? Uh, he's going to be starting for the Chiefs. I know there's a lot of Chiefs love this season. Uh, everybody loves Andy Reid, and they think that offense with Tyreek Hill and those guys are, are just going to be explosive. Do you guys have the same level of optimism as, as it seems like everybody else does? Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's definitely going to be good. I just don't know if he's going to be as good as people think right away. But I did see on the highlight reel that – I think he threw like a 70-yard bomb down to Tyreek Hill. Oh, it was a bomb. Yeah, he. I think he threw it from like the other 35, and it. he caught it at like the 7-yard line, I think it was. Absolutely insane. That guy's got a cannon of an arm. Um, for me, I don't I don't really know. <clears throat> uh, like I've said a lot of times on the other podcast, I don't get too high or too low on the preseason because it's vanilla on both sides. So you can't really tell really how somebody's going to be one year the uh, – 
uh, Detroit Lions went undefeated in the preseason and then didn't win a regular season game. So, you know, you can't the really Browns base too. anything. The Browns last yeah. year. Yeah, so you can't really base <laughs> anything off of that. Um, so I, I will say that he's, he's probably all in all a better talent than Alex Smith. Uh, but it's going to be whether he makes the smart decisions or the bad decisions in the clutch moments. Um, Andy Reid's a great coach, so I'm sure he'll coach him up. Um, I'm a Raiders fan, so, you know, we don't really support the Chiefs, so I hope they have a shitty season. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's wrap up NFL. Next week we'll do a lot of NFL because, of course, week one. And I've got about five or six plays that I've already locked in, so I'm excited to talk about those next week. Uh, but let's move into college football. Boomer, you want to start us off? Yeah, so for me, uh, like I said, I, I'm a really big football fan all in all. I sit at home all Saturday, all Sunday. I don't let anybody bother me. I like to sit at home, drink, gamble, watch my football. When it's done, maybe I'll go hang out with some people. It pisses a lot of women off, pisses some of my friends off. I don't care. I like to do me, and me is football. Uh, one of the best games to open up the weekend is Washington versus Auburn. Uh, right now, the line is plus one and a half, or Auburn's one and a half point favorite at home. Uh, I personally like Washington. They are they're both actually well uh, tenured teams. Uh, both their quarterbacks are now are seasoned veterans. Uh, they both have pretty good coaches. Well, I would give the edge to Chris Peterson at Washington. Um, I think Washington. Somebody in the Pac-12 has to do something this year. They can't get left out of the playoff again. I think the only team that can do it is Washington. Uh, They're plus one and a half. I'm actually going to say screw the points because that one and a half means nothing to me. I'm going to go money line plus 114 is what it says on this site. I think it's a little higher on others, Uh, but I'm going to go, I'm I'm really going to go money line Washington. Uh, The over under could be dicey just because it's opening week. You never know what's really going to happen. Washington's supposed to have a really tough D. Auburn usually does, uh, but they're both dynamic on offense. So it might push that 48 over. Uh, but I'm going to lay uh, – I'm going to go money line in Washington and hope that it pans out for me. Yeah, Jared, I took, any thoughts on the game? Yeah, I took a look at this game also. Um, Jake Browning is coming back, obviously, yep. from Washington. He was the quarterback. He's 29-11 as a starter, 78 touchdowns to 24 interceptions. Um, they also have their senior running back coming back, so they're going to be a pretty dynamic duo back there. But going into Auburn, Auburn is one of the toughest places to play in college football. They have an absolute crazy home field advantage usually most of um, most years, and their defense has just been uh, in the SEC. SEC is just known for defense. You have to play Georgia, Alabama, two heavy defensive teams. Auburn just got a match with them in and out every uh, every week. Um, that being said, I'm taking Auburn and money line. I think it was minus 140th last I saw. I'm not exactly sure. But I just think Auburn, their defensive front usually just attacks right away off the bat. Especially, uh, I watched the game against Georgia last year, and Sony Michelle in the backfield got stuffed against them. And I'm, I'm pretty much expecting the same thing for Auburn defensively this year. Um, I'm not sh- too sure about their secondary, but I know their defensive front is – one to be reckoned with in uh, college football for sure. Jared, I agree with you on the side. I like Auburn. I would lay the minus two because it's below the key number of three. Um, quick correction, the game's not being played in Auburn. It's being played in Atlanta. Oh, Having yeah, said that, I still, I, 
I still think they have a home field advantage because of, you know, geography. It's much closer to Alabama than Washington is. And second point on that, Washington has to travel, what is that, a four- or five-hour plane ride to get to Atlanta. So I still think there's a home field advantage for Auburn, even though they're not playing in their home stadium. And, you know, the other thought I had on this game is, you know, I'm looking at the odds to make the college football playoffs, the Auburn Tigers at Bet Online. Uh, odds to make the football, college football playoffs plus 450. Um, those are pretty short. So this is a team that the market expects to be in the, in the running at the end of the season. And Auburn's got big games against Georgia and Alabama. So, you know, just the nature of making the playoffs in college football is you can't really lose more than one game. Sometimes losing one game does you in regardless. So what are your all's thoughts on Auburn's chances to make the playoffs to be one of the four teams in, and does that factor into this game? They need to get out to a fast start. Does any of that matter to you all? See, that's why I actually have Washington. Auburn can lose this game and make it up by beating Georgia and Alabama and get back into the playoff. Uh, Washington has to win this game to make it to the playoff. I feel like if they lose, uh, they're already out of the hunt, and the Pac-12 pretty much is out of the hunt for the playoff. I mean, you got Stanford, Oregon, uh, USC, but they're all going to lose somewhere. None of them are too too stacked. Uh, Washington's stacked on both sides. They got to win this game. The Pac-12 needs to win this game. I mean, they've been left out a lot. Um, they just haven't been very good. They're kind of like the Big 12. They don't play that much defense. They're electric offensively. Washington does both, so they might run through that conference, but if they get embarrassed against Auburn, uh, they could be done for. Auburn, like I said, they can make up for it, but uh, I just I think that this is going to be like kind of actually like a playoff game. I think they're both coordinators are going to go all out on offensive plays, uh, defense. Like I think it's going to be a really awesome electric game that uh, it's going to be a must watch game, especially for the three thirty uh, time period uh, before Michigan Notre Dame at night. I think people are going to be really hyped up about college football in this kickoff weekend, but I still, I still have to go Washington. I think it means more to them and their whole conference and Auburn will have a chance to get back in it no matter what. I'm looking at the futures odds to win the college football championship, to win the whole thing. Auburn's listed at 33 to one and Washington 12 to one. Now that at first, that seems kind of strange because most people think Auburn's much better in the sec. But to me, that makes sense because the road, the road is much more difficult to get there. Like you said, they have to go through Georgia and Alabama. So, uh, you know, I think that's why you're getting much longer odds. Um, Anything else on this game? Washington at Auburn. No, that's it for me, really. I'm <laughs> just pretty set on taking Auburn. I just think their defense is going to outdo Washington's offense, although Browning is a stud and can throw for about 500 yards a game. Just think that the he's going to be pretty rattled in the backfield come uh, Saturday when Auburn's defensive line gets to him. All right, let's move into Florida State. They're hosting Virginia Tech. Florida State is is laying minus seven and a half at home, fifty seven the total. So we're you expecting go the high scoring affair. Yeah, let's do that, Boomer. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, so for me, Virginia Tech is kind of like the Notre Dame of the ACC. They're kind of overrated every single year. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of Beamer Ball back in the day. Virginia Tech's kind of a name because of Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Michael Vick's brother, 
Uh, I don't know if that's it, but they're kind of overrated every single freaking year. Uh, Florida State gets Willie Taggart from Oregon, who was was awesome last year with Herbert before he got injured. Um, Willie Taggart seems like a very good coach, very good offensively. He's going to have better talent at Florida State. They get Ricky Francois, the quarterback, back from injury and reported drug trafficking or whatever happened there. Um, so for me, Florida State, I think, actually takes – Virginia Tech to the woodshed and shows that they might be a real contender this year in the ACC, even though Clemson will run right through them, uh, but they'll probably be second. So I, I just don't, I just find Virginia Tech always overrated. I like Florida State. I'm hoping this comes down to seven. I don't want to get beat by the hook, uh, but if if it comes down to seven, I would I would go Florida State all day long. Yeah, I kind of like Florida State too. Uh, like you said, I'm not going to get involved unless I see a seven, in which case I'm going to put a unit on Florida State. Um, but you know, I, I live in Virginia. I grew up in Virginia. You don't have to tell me that Virginia tech is overrated. I mean, everywhere <laughs> you go in, it's got those stinking banners, you know, hokey pride. People are wearing the sweatshirts, stickers on their car. I mean, we've got UVA and ODU football, but Virginia tech is really, uh, you know, at the top as far as fans here in Virginia. Um, uh, but one thing that I like to do in college football, because I don't watch a whole lot of it is I like to pay attention to the coaches. And, uh, you know, the story here for me is uh, Virginia Tech's head coach, Justin Fuente. Uh, he's done fairly well in two seasons at Tech, 19 and 8. Um, you know, not too shabby. But he's actually never played Florida State. And Florida State leads the series between the two teams, 23 to 12. And so clear edge to Florida State there. And then also looking at, you know, how many starters uh, the Hokies are, are returning this year. Um, they do have an experienced offensive line. They're getting back 51 starts from their uh, returning offensive linemen. But on the defense, very inexperienced. They only have four starters returning from last season. And so that's a clear edge to Florida State. And then I also like Florida State's quarterback, Josh Jackson. Fantastic season last year. Nearly 3,000 yards passing as a freshman. Um, should improve again this year. If I see a seven, I'm definitely getting involved with Florida State. Uh, Jared, what do you think about this game? Yeah, it was just a good question. Boomer, do you know who's starting? Is it Francois or Jackson? Oh, no, Jackson's on Virginia Tech. Francois is on Florida State. Francois is starting for Florida State. That's it was named okay. just the other day. Francois, Francois. Yeah, so, uh, Francois is definitely – he had comparisons coming into the year last year to pretty much pick up where Jameis Winston left off a few years back. He was one of the hot, uh, most touted – quarterbacks in the uh, class last year I definitely would go with Florida State minus seven I also think Virginia Tech is way overrated the ACC in college football is always on and off you have pretty much the same teams Miami and Virginia um, always being some of the top two teams and Virginia Tech kind of hangs around plays with them a little bit but usually they're they get pretty much crushed by these teams and I also think um, Florida State coming with their new head coach Taggart, think they're gonna have they have something to play for. They they're not just gonna want to come out and get killed or uh, have a poor performance for them. They're gonna want to play for their coach and show them that they're show the fans that they're heading in the right direction with the new head uh, with Taggart right at the front of the line for them. All right, so we like Florida State minus seven if we get it. Any thoughts on the total? Fifty-seven seems a little high. Yeah, yeah so last, 
last year when they played against Alabama to open the game, Francois, you know, got injured for the year in the first half of the game, uh, which sucked and kind of ruined Florida State's game uh, whole season last year. Um, For me, I think these both of the, I mean, Florida State usually has playmakers who come out of nowhere every single year just because they're Florida State and they get great recruits. Uh, But I think both teams this year is heavily offensively based. So, in college football, 57 isn't that much because it kind of gets crazy. Um, so Virginia Tech, I feel like, is going to be offensive-based. I think Florida State can be offensively-based. Uh, 57 is – I have a feeling it might be right around the number, uh, and it might come down to the last possession to go over, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown or something like that. I probably, just because it's the, the late game on Monday, uh, everybody's, everybody's going to be eyes on it. I have a feeling it might go over. Uh, just because the referee, the pressures are on the referee, uh, everything, the game planning, it's it's the main game. I feel like people are going to try and, uh, you know, show out for that. So I have a feeling it might go over that 57. Sounds good. Let's move on. Let's do Michigan at Notre Dame. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that game? Is that game at Michigan? I think no, it's, it's at, at Notre-, Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame. Gotcha. Okay. So Michigan at Notre Dame. Michigan's plus one. Burma, why don't you start us off? So, for me, I liked Michigan all the way minus two. Now that they're plus one, love it even more. That means Joe Public is on Notre Dame, uh, which is the best because Joe Public is always on Notre Dame because they have one of the biggest fan bases in the nation because uh, they were on TV all the time when people like my dad's days were kids, so everybody had to be a fan because it was about the only thing on TV, on NBC. Uh, love that they all bet this line down. They're always overrated, like I said earlier, just like Virginia Tech, but Notre Dame's even worse just because the public wants them to be ranked. Um, Michigan gets Shea Patterson. Three years ago was the number one recruit in the nation at QB, was at Ole Miss. All those sanctions happened. Goes to Michigan, gets eligible. Uh, Jim Harbaugh finally has a good quarterback. His defense is solid. His offense is going to be great with Shea Patterson. I think Michigan this whole year freaking rolls all the way to the playoff. Um, the only game that's going to be even a tester is Ohio State with Haskins. Haskins is a beast. He should have started last year over to Barrett because Barrett's a joke. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame has a chance because they can't pass, and they're going to run into a stout defense in Michigan. I mean, if it's going to stay plus, I'm definitely going money line Michigan just to get the money out of it. Uh, they're, I think it, they might easily win. Notre Dame could get embarrassed, uh, even at home. Touchdown Jesus is going to be out of the building. Michigan landslide lock it. I like Michigan too. And, you know, I was reading an article on covers.com about red faced bowlers. I don't know if you all have heard about this trend, but you know, teams that were favored by seven points or more in their bowl game, the previous season and lost, you take them in week one of the next season, their, their opener, they're 42 and 23 against the spread. That's ridiculous. Michigan fits this criteria. They lost to South Carolina 26 to 19. They were hanging seven last year in their bowl. And, you know, the logic, it it makes sense to me because, you know, they're embarrassed in a game that they're supposed to win big at. And, you know, they they get their first game in a while. Uh, They've been thinking about it all off season. I like Michigan. I, I would take them on the money line too, to get that, to get that nice plus money. And I think their defense is legit. I think John Harbaugh, uh, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh, you know, the pressure has been on him. You're seeing a lot of stories about how he's on the hot seat somehow, which I think is ridiculous because everywhere he goes, 
he wins a lot of football games. And Agreed. so, you know, I think they're going to be focused. And uh, I, I think they're clearly a better team than Notre Dame. I would take Michigan plus one, excuse me, uh, excuse me, plus, I think it's probably about 130 on the money line. I like Michigan. Yeah, I also like Michigan in this game. Um, Notre Dame lost two of their top three receivers in, I don't even know how to pronounce his first name, Equani Miss St. Brown and Kevin Steve, uh, Kevin Steverson. But Equinus. other than that, Michigan, yeah. Michigan's defense is definitely – it's always been one of the better ones in the league. They definitely know how to dial up the blitzes, and Jim Harbaugh is – when you have a coach of his caliber, it's – Jim Harbaugh, you throw out the names, Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban. Just those are top, three of the top five to ten coaches in the league. Um, when you have a coach that can pretty much out-coach anybody else in college football and the line's this low and Notre Dame has not much experience, I think he's just going to be playing with their minds and just coming out with maybe some trick plays on offense and just, really trying to mess with them and see uh, how far it can go down in this game. I also like Michigan. And I would take the plus one just to be safe, but I also like the money line at plus 125. I see that right now. Uh, Also, Notre Dame lost two linemen to the NFL. uh, That was huge for them, and their starting running back. So their starting running back is gone. Two linemen drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, A running back that got drafted later two wide receivers. Uh, the quarterback is a running quarterback. He's not a passing quarterback. And they're replacing those linemen. I, I just, I think they're, I don't know why that they're getting rated so high. Uh, so those are also huge hits to the Notre Dame offense. What do you guys think about um, FAU? Have you guys heard love anything? Them? Love them. Yeah, I love I, every Lane, minute of them. Lane Kiffin obviously coming there last year. I think they went, what was it, 11-3, and three, I think, overall. They started no, one they only three. lost one game. It was against Oklahoma. Oh, you're, oh, that was two years ago. Yeah, Lane Kiffin is definitely um, – he's just a wild card out there. I think he's somebody that – he's been all over the map. Um, being under Nick Saban obviously helped him out. and got, FAU was not even close to being a football contender, and this – Apparently this year they have a chance to really make a name for themselves. They're starting at Oklahoma. I think they're plus 21 right now. Oklahoma, obviously, with a new quarterback. Baker Mayfield's not there anymore. I think I like FAU in this one at plus 21. Oh, yeah. I've been on them the whole time. Love the plus 21. Oklahoma has a good quarterback coming in in Kyler Murray, uh, but he got a contract to play baseball, and this is the only year he's going to play football because of that contract. It's a huge contract to play baseball. He's a quick uh, explosive little athlete, but he's not the best passer. Uh, and I feel like they're going to need to pass against FAU. I don't, I wish FAU could win it. I don't think that they can, but they're going to make it really close. It's going to be a really fun game to watch. Lane Kiffin is a great schemer. Uh, I've been on this plus 21 for a long time. Uh, if you go to capsports.com, I bet it a while ago. Um, so I'm, I'm hardcore on Florida Atlantic. And that if they do lose, that's the only game they'll lose all season. I'll guarantee it. Yeah, the oh, only the money line you can get. Go ahead, Jared. The only thing I don't really like that Kiffin did that I think might mess with his mojo as a coach, how he just kind of throws whatever he wants out there, is that he hired an offensive coordinator. I think it was that kind of fits the uh, co- fits the style of play the conference he's in. I think last year he kind of, he pretty much brought a different style of play to the conference. I think he's in 
I forget what it is, the C, CUSA or something like that. Conference USA. Uh, yeah, Conference USA. Um, I I don't know how I feel about that, but I do think that they're still going to have a great year. I think that he definitely should stick to his style of play, though. I think he brings a unique style to that conference and is a good is a prime reason that they are just contenders in that conference pretty much it's going to be year in and year out with Lane Kiffin now. So FAU is still deciding who they're going to start at quarterback. It looks like it's between junior DeAndre Johnson and freshman Chris Robinson. Is this a concern? Do you guys like one of these guys over the other, or does it really matter to your outlook on this game? So pretty much both of those quarterbacks are quarterbacks who were at big programs, high recruits, and got in trouble and Lane Kiffin recruited him to his program. One was at that, uh, what is it, Mississippi State, or what, whatever that last chance you, the, uh, the first couple of years, college. He's from there. Uh, one of them is a Florida, that Florida State quarterback that punched that girl in the face and got in trouble for that and got kicked out of Florida State. I think it doesn't matter. They're both high talents. Uh, Lane Kiffin is a great schemer. I, I don't think it's really going to matter uh, whoever they play. He, he might even rotate and find out who he really wants uh, for the season. All right, sounds good. Any other thoughts on that game? I just I think 21 points for FAU in this game is a steal. I would even if it was I'd say 14, 15 points, I think I still go FAU. So it, it, no way in hell that you're taking the money line though. I'm seeing at bookmaker you can get Florida Atlantic at plus 1000. I think if you're if you're a consistent better and you like to sprinkle on some heavy money lines, this is definitely if you like to sprinkle on some heavy um, money lines once a weekend or something like that, I think this is definitely a good game to throw that sprinkle on but I would throw like a half a, a quarter of a unit or something like that on it. I wouldn't go heavy on that at all. Alright, next game, what are we covering, Boomer? Uh, for me, um, a game I actually bet, I didn't tell you guys in advance, but I actually just uh, went for it tonight, and I actually just did the over-under. Uh, for some reason, Northwestern and Purdue, which are both Big Ten teams, are opening the weekend together, which I don't know why uh, this is happening. Uh, but for me, uh, on my site, the over-under was plus 53.5. I went under all day. Northwestern is usually a defensive team. Purdue has a good good offense. Uh, but I feel like if they get rolling, uh, Northwestern's not going to be able to compete with them. I just don't see any way that it goes over 53-and-a-half. I may be wrong, but I like the under big time in that game. Uh, it's this Thursday instead of the, the weekend slate, so it's tomorrow. I'll probably watch it, um, but I, I took the under in that. I like it. Open question to both of you guys, since both of you are more into college, more into the college game than I am. You know, in the NFL, week ones and uh, week one and week two are typically lower scoring. I think a lot of that has to do with these teams get fewer days to practice, and so the offense isn't fully in sync. Does any of that matter in college football week one? Are you looking to take unders, or is there any kind of dynamic uh, with the total that you're looking for in week one that's different from the re- the rest of the regular season? Um, I, I've learned basically for the – uh, over-unders at the beginning of the year in college football, you usually take the over. Uh, but this year it looks like they have a lot of lines set higher than they normally do. I'm looking at a bunch of them right now. Uh, I usually take the overs just because defenses aren't ready. Offenses usually are. 
Uh, they're not sure what's coming. There's no film on anybody. You know, players turn in and out, so you're not really watching film from the year before like you can in the NFL because you don't have the same returning people. Uh, so nobody's really ready for what's going on. Uh, so usually a lot of times overs do go over a lot the first week, um, especially because you don't have a preseason, so you don't have any timing or, or anything like that on defense at all. And the offense, you know, that's usually what coaches run through. That's what football's turned into as an offensive league. Uh, so usually a lot of times overs – go over but i'm looking at this year they have a lot of lines set pretty freaking high i'm surprised yeah, i just went through quick and kind of counted up i see about seven or eight overs over uh, at least 70 points and i'd say about yep. 15 over 60 65 definitely higher but i also agree definitely take the overs in the first week or the first two weeks to be honest defenses in the in the camps for college you really just focus on the offense there's no there's no defensive hitting. They, it's not like training camp where um, you got preseason games and the defense is getting ready. Um, the offense is usually just blow by the defenses, and the pass. There's a lot of passing in the first few games. Um, the overs are definitely something to, to keep an eye on in the first two, three weeks of the college season. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, in the NFL, you've got rookies coming in, you've got free agents, but the turnover is nothing compared to college where these guys can only play four years. You've got transfers going in and out. So I think that makes a lot of sense. You don't have a whole ton of film on offenses, so that's going to lead you towards uh, the over when you're handicapping the games. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, but we got about we got about two minutes left. I did want to say this to you guys, uh, see what you guys think. We'll just do it live on air. Don't care. Uh, Next week is, you know, they're going to be the start of NFL coming the weekend following. Uh, I figure we can go up to two-hour shows if we want to. I figure maybe next week we'll do an hour instead of this half hour. We're, plus extra time is what we're in now. Uh, you get about 15 minutes after the half-hour show to keep talking, which is what we're talking through right now, which is only on the podcast. You can't listen to it live. So people would have to go and listen to the podcast and hear what we're talking about now. Uh, but we can do an hour show next week if you guys want to. Um I kind of want to talk about that stuff. And then that following weekend for football, college football, I'm going to the Iowa State game, which is a huge rivalry here. And the weekend after that, I'm going to the Dallas uh, Giants game down in Texas for Sunday night football. So hopefully I can get some stuff up, you know, to let people know uh, my Snapchat so they can follow me on that and maybe have some stuff on Pro Sports Extra that they can check out too. Uh, But all that's going to be coming really soon. And uh, just seeing if you guys wanted to do an hour and all that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Once that, once regular season starts, there's going to be a whole lot to talk about. Could, you could pretty much talk about every game if you wanted to. So uh, definitely down for an hour. Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, I've been pretty excited about this season. Um, I think Boomer's involved. I don't know if Jared is yet. Maybe he will be. Uh, we're doing a uh, We're doing a handicapping contest on a website called capsports.com. And it kind of mimics the Westgate Super Contest where we pick five games against the spread each week and then at the end of the season add them all up, see who's best. So I'll be doing that. Um, We're all writing for Pro Sports Extra. I'm also doing a competition, a handicapping competition for bettheboard.net. And all of us are fairly active on Twitter. So, yep, yep. And that's that's free to enter. So I I would recommend any of our listeners. Jared, I don't know if you want to get involved. 
free to enter and you can win $5,000 if you come out on top. Um, that one's also kind of mimicking the Westgate Super Contest. Pick five games against the spread each week. And I'll also be tweeting out pretty much all of my picks um, whenever I make them. So should be a loaded season. Definitely down for the one-hour show. Same here. We got about 20 seconds is going to cut us off. So all I'll say is uh, anything else you want to hear, I put up my top 25 poll each week that's way different than the AP poll for college football. And anything we do or write or say, you can go to prosportsextra.com to find it. Other than that, you can find us on Twitter at Riggs, P-S-E, R-I-E-G-Z, P-S-E, at Cameron Covers, and at Live with Boomer. Hit us up. Let Let us know what you think. We don't care if it's good or bad. Other than that, I got nothing else, boys. We're about to get cut off. Have a great night.